almost live. And we're live. Let me we're live. With some music first. <laughs> Welcome to the BS Show with your host, Steph Hammerlink and Austin Frankie. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, I'm really curious what you have for me today. I'm brain dead, so I'm happy you're taking the lead on this one. Yep, yep. I'm a little brain dead too, but uh, it's going to work just fine. <laughs> <laughs> tell us tell us what you have in store, Austin. Yes, yes. Let me, let me first ask you a question here, uh, Steph. Have you been involved in uh, press releases for rebrands in your career? <laughs> oh, let me think about that. It's a good one. I've been involved in many, many rebrands, but I always pushed back on press releases. So I don't think <laughs> I've actually been involved in, in a literal press release on a rebrand because I object against that usually. But yeah, don't know. Tell me, no. tell me, tell me, what are your objections to press releases? I'm not, I'm, I'm for press releases, but it has to be something substantial and saying we changed the logo is very often not and putting a sauce on it. We changed the logo <laughs> because we're now more uh, purposeful is still not good. Uh -huh. I think if you said we, we, we merged companies and we have a big reason why we're doing this. And right. by the way, we also changed our identity to reflect that. That's fine, yeah. but it should never be the headline. Yeah. Well, as you know, many uh, many agencies, especially creative agencies, love to get their little press releases out on the oh, work yeah. that they've done. And so we're gonna we're gonna dive into uh, some press releases. And uh, if you're following along, uh, you can check out this slide presentation that we're gonna we're gonna run, and you would be able to see uh, my little translations uh, in the corner of what they're actually saying. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna actually <laughs> let's see, we're gonna go way back. I'll, I'll put it to the main screen so people don't see all the slides. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, don't see the slides, people. <laughs> Give me a heads up okay, when you're ready. Right. Okay, you're ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, okay. let's go back. All right. First up here, we have a Toys R Us rebrand. And we, we spoke about this a little bit um, uh, on our last show, but we're going we're gonna to do a deeper dive into it. Um, so let's first, you know, check out the... Uh, uh, let me see. Let's let's share that particular tab here. We got a new tab. What was happening? I'll stop, and then okay. I'm gonna share again. And this time we're gonna change tabs here. All right, boom. Okay, so this. Can you see this? Hang on a sec. I just need to put it back uh, into the screen. Yeah, I think we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. We're good. Keep going. Beautiful. Okay, so here's the Toys R Us rebrand. Um, which, which we talked about this last last week. It was never yeah. used, um, uh, but <laughs> the agency Lippincott behind this rebrand um, did uh, have this little uh, explanation of of the rebrand. If you go in there and you type and you click on the about this project, you can see their explanation. We're going to take some lines out of that and we're going to just break it apart. But first off, um, we, we we don't need to you know get your take on it now stuff because we talked a little bit about it last yeah. episode but you know in a nutshell it's a good rebrand they, they take the distinctive backwards r and they run with it um yeah they have a distinctive asset um and uh yeah it looks good it, it looks clean it looks it looks modern but also in some ways timeless at least you know it can be adapted to be timeless in the future um and uh yeah looks good and looks there's clean. cool looks 3d clean. thingies in there i mean what's not to love oh yeah Oh yeah, which those will age. 
those 3D <laughs> things will age, I guarantee you. Um, but you know what? They're, they're not core to the brand. Really, the idea is just to take this backwards R and kind of, you know, yeah. make it a little bit more um, adaptable. So, so there's a lot of potential here with this rebrand. Um, but let's dive into uh, their their uh, reasoning for this. Okay, the so, juicy stuff. Uh, <laughs> the juicy stuff. Okay, so here we go. According to Pew Research, more than one million millennials are becoming parents each year. While they grew up with Toys R Us as kids, the world is a different place for these new parents. So everything has changed. Human nature has changed. Every single thing has changed. Perennials. Love that. You like that word, Steph? Uh, uh, that's just, that's, that's, I, I applaud the strategist for, for <laughs> finding that for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, hey, Perennials, uh, yeah. Uh, just a sec. Alston, you're, you're not sharing the, the other tab, by the way. Oh, but, you're right. Uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let me fix that here. All right. Because you had there. the beautiful, you had the beautiful voiceover and everything, but <laughs> no worries. Yeah, you got to see, you got to see the slide because I got my little, my my pretty, you know, my pretty design here. It's okay. really important. Can you see it now? Uh, just a sec. Hitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there. It's beautiful. There. Okay. All right. Perennials. So perennials have, have have access to vast information on child rearing, and in many ways, Google has become the new grandparent or neighbor in this wow. overwhelming explosion of shopping options, recommendations, rankings, and reviews. Now, I actually agree with them here. It's really sad, but they're probably right in a lot of respects that Google has become uh, essentially the wisdom for parents, which is really sad because there's a lot of terrible advice out there. I know from the fact <laughs> it's being a parent. <laughs> um, okay, so here we go. For Toys R Us with a purpose, you like that word, right? Around unleashing the power of play. My translation here, we charge extra for a purpose statement. The brand gave us the opportunity <laughs> to develop a voice for the igniter in all of us oh. and for a customer persona. <laughs> so clearly they're doing, they're doing the, um, you know, the cliche purpose and uh, customer persona, which we know from a lot of research is, is not effective whatsoever. This is um, uh, this is brand poetry, yeah. It's it's brand poetry, <laughs> exactly. basically. It's it's like you exactly. hire artists to do this kind of stuff. It's beautiful. Yes, I also <laughs> love their their purpose statement: unleashing the power of play. In other words, we make toys. <laughs> I think I think actually, like I've seen that a million times. Unleashing yeah. the the power of X. It's like it's like a great <laughs> template. If you're ever in doubt about what your company is, just mm -hmm. put unleashing the power of, and then whatever word is relevant to your industry and you'll be you'll be off to the races <laughs> i wonder if there's like a i wonder if there's like a chris doe behind that who's you know like an only this statement just fill in this you know thing and you're 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 the only whatever of whatever maybe there's a, a bunch of gurus doing unleash the power of whatever <laughs> okay it's... so we then devised familial visual systems like fraternal twins okay. so they're, they're, they're comparing their brand to people, uh, which is really popular right now. Yeah. Each brand system would stand out by virtue of its distinct brand voice and its own primary colors. Subtly, the familial unity is achieved by a secondary color. And the, by the way, when they're talking about fraternal twins here, they're talking about Toys R Us and Babies R Us. <laughs> I don't know how familiar Whoa. you are with this, this yeah. brand, but this is what they're speaking about. Um, so they're basically saying that that we wanted them to look similar, but not the same, so they could stand out from one another, which 
makes sense, right? Um, mm. Subtly, the familial unity is achieved by a secondary color palette, which not only unifies the look and feel of both brands, but also helps the entire business to get back to the core of who they are, the toy land for play. So we're going to start to see some <laughs> bullshit color psychology here, Okay. So oh, okay. brace yourself. Brace, brace yourself. <laughs> brace yourself. For the for the viewers and listeners here, um, there is no evidence to to concretely support um, color psychology in designing brands. There is no universal meaning attached to colors. In fact, if you do try to go after some sort of universal meaning with your brand, chances are you're going to just copy your competitors in the category because they're all using the same colors too. Um, because likely whatever psychology the, the agencies are, are trying to tell you is important is just related to the category in general. So here we hence, have Toys Hence why we picked uh, yellow for our brand because it's an exactly. energizing <laughs> color and it fits yes. our, our audience in like, yes. yeah, and bananas. Yeah, yeah and, I think, yeah. <laughs> and bananas and the and the red really is just blood. You know, we bleed every day when we do this show. We just we we bleed our entire selves out while we create this. And so I think <laughs> that's important too. There you okay. have it. So he, here we go. Here's here's their colors here. All right. You got babies are us and toys are us here. Um hmm. and uh yeah, you know, nothing wrong with what they're doing here. That the green is consistent um in their accents. Um, the, the primary Toys R Us color is blue. The primary Babies R Us color is purple. And the rest are kind of accents in relation to how often they occur within the brand. Um, so, okay. All right. Lippincott Research, or overpriced common sense, uncovered mm -hmm. a nostalgic affinity among today's new parents for the iconic backwards R. For these perennials, the childlike R personified the wow. whole idea of play. So basically, they charged uh, <laughs> Toys R Us a ton of money to do research that uncovers that people equate Toys R Us with toys. <laughs> okay, <laughs> way I to love, go there, I guys. Way to go. <laughs> that would be would be so funny if an agency actually came out with like dry statements like you, the ones you're putting down. Know, like, yeah, we just we, we basically just. <laughs> Cool. You know, if if I worked for the right brand, I would be all over that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe all just right. hire Austin, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hire me. We can do this. Okay, armed. What do you think about that word, Steph? You like that word, armed? Yeah, I mean, you can't. You cannot just have an inside or find. You need to be armed with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I translated this to: Please take our research seriously. We used a power word. <laughs> yeah. So armed with. <laughs> With the insight, Lippincott designers reclaimed this key element of brand equity. In other words, the distinctive brand asset of the backwards R for the two visual systems, giving each brand's R a distinctive aesthetic treatment unique to its essence. What? Yes. Yes. So basically, they took the R and they've adapted it to different toy styles. And oh probably God. if they're smart, at least they could use this adaptation for category entry points and, and other things as well. So. Uh, I'm drinking okay. non-alcoholic beer, but now I realize I should have switched to <laughs> real alcohol. This is so much BS, man! Wow, it's, this is really great, top, top, top of the line. Wow. Yep, yep. Here's where the bullshit psych color psychology really comes in. Here, the Toys R Us bold color palette is a bright spot for customers. It uses a core blue as the lead color with a secondary palette inspired 
by the energy of play. So essentially, they use primary colors because we associate toys and kids with primary colors, <laughs> which is a mistake, by the way. <laughs> okay, um, and I, it's it's not in the sense that Toys R Us was already doing this with primary colors, and to, so to completely change the colors would be a little ridiculous. But if Toys R Us was starting from scratch, they would not want to use a bunch of colors that are associated with toys because every toy company would be doing the exact same thing. <laughs> Um, but it's too late now. Toys R Us, you can't change it. So, um, yeah. Okay. We further celebrated the backwards R by telling stories about all the ways the brand can unleash the power of play. So we visually adapted their distinctive asset into different types of toys they sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was translated to. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, this part, we talked a little bit about this last last uh, last show. As of July 2019, the new owner of the Toys R Us brand plans to open two U.S. stores following the, the former owner's liquidation of its U.S. business. Armed, hmm. there's that word again, yeah. with our new brand platforms, Toys R Us and Babies R Us have the toolkits they need, those bastards didn't use our rebrand, to revitalize <laughs> their brands. <laughs> and become relevant for a new generation of parents. We made Toys R Us cool again because we don't hire old people at our agency. <laughs> oh, wow. Here we go. Lipid God's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, Steph? What do you like? What do you love? <laughs> I mean, it's it, the the thing I've, I'm always thinking when I see this is like, like whose fault is, whose fault is it that we allow for such like completely like i mean yeah bs is it because we we so desperately need needed to convince our client to do anything creative mm -hmm. or is it really because we believe we actually believe this stuff like there's like yeah, yeah. And, and i think it's somewhere in between i think actually part of it is us believing this story and part of it is just knowing that otherwise it's going to be very hard to to convince a client but it's i mean yeah it's yeah, it's wow. I'm I'm uh, I'm blown away by this. If you, you know, if you zoom on, zoom in on it, and like make annotations like you did, it becomes uh, <laughs> a lot more apparent. Like because a lot of times when I see this, I I, I mean I go to these uh, cool websites where they have rebrands like brand new and and like there's always right. like you you basically scroll through very quickly through these types of explanations that you just want to look at the juicy stuff. But if you actually analyze it in depth, then it is like, oh my god, what what is happening here? <laughs> the cringe. <laughs> it's pretty rough. I I think the other piece is you know you you touched on being able to uh, essentially uh, convince clients to use the rebrand, but also I would say it's used. You know, um, I I I grew up quote unquote in the um you know in the vein of Christo in the future and started out as a designer and then he told me no you can make a ton of money if you if you just attach a bunch of strategy to that design yeah. um, but all of the strategy that he talks about in other branding brand design gurus um, isn't really strategy it's a bunch of stuff that customers are not going to pick up on it's a bunch of things that are just going to be a waste of time and money and resources and he doesn't ever mention distinctive brand assets he doesn't mention anything that we actually know is proven to help brands grow it's, it's just all a bunch of fluff um, <laughs> but if, if in, in his defense, there, right? I really don't think he 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 knows about them. That's no, just, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. We talked about that on on our on my podcast episode of your show. You know, you know, I don't think he's doing this on purpose. It's some sort yeah. of you know grand purpose. scheme to whatever. It's his. Purpose. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but but no, uh, but there's, I, there's yeah. Go ahead. No, you were saying something. Go ahead. Yeah, if, if you can sucker a client into falling for this stuff, you can charge a lot more money. So Lippincott I, can can say we do a bunch of research, we come up with a purpose because everyone needs a purpose these days. You know, we can we can go deeper in the colors that we use, and 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 you know, there's a lot of research on color psychology that we can we can use. Of course, they don't tell them any, all of it's been debunked, or at least hasn't been really solidified. Um, it's possible that it's that it works, but again, with the, with the brand, you want to be distinctive above all else. The color yeah. psychology might work, but it's a bad idea when creating a brand because you're just going to end up looking like other businesses in your category. It, yeah, and uh, I mean, there's two things I want to pick up on. First, I think it's as you mentioned. I mean, this is a press release, so obviously they need yeah. to like thicken the pot and the plot basically making yeah. it somehow press worthy. And I think that's why they try to attach more meaning. Just saying like mm-hmm. we did X and Y because we needed more yeah. of uh, a digital uh, applicable logo or whatever kind of visual yeah. platform is not enough to do it. So I think it's partly that thickening <laughs> of the plot. And then partly it, it is, uh, that's something I noticed. You do need to present a little bit of an, like an internal narrative on, on like that's mm-hmm. more meaningful then maybe on the outset why you're doing it because sometimes yeah. internally it's important to have like a little bit of like excitement about it and and making sure right but right. but a, a, like one more thing i want to say like you mentioned the colors i think that's a, a typical example of where if once we start falling into these cliches of color psychology we end up being very not distinctive and it's the same right. actually with with meaningful differentiation i've noticed mm-hmm. because if mm-hmm. you think yeah. about it yeah. for example in a toys category i mean where will you end up you will end up somewhere in the power of play because that's the higher right, level right. order for all category yeah. and that's really the problem if you start leveling up or looking <laughs> at meaningful thing you always end up in the same place and yep. that's why it's so so hard to not fall into that trap of being mm-hmm. too purposeful about it and it's the same here so yeah interesting uh, yep. to see that yeah yeah great all right. Well, we got a couple more to look at here, so we'll try to yeah. run through these a little quicker, but uh, this is going to be great. <laughs> You're going to like this. Okay. So let me ask you this. What do you know about Velveeta, Steph? I, I would assume this is not something in Belgium, but but correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I know, I know Croft, the logo is on, sitting yeah. on top of it, but I don't know Velveeta yeah. at all. Okay. Okay. So Velveeta is fake cheese. Um, it has it has a long history. Um, in the United States, we had what's called the Great Depression, where essentially the stock market crashed and just everybody was poor and uh, nobody could afford cheese, uh, or at least a lot of people couldn't. And so, um, so there are all kinds of different um, meals that kind of, that we eat today as Americans that come from this era of the Great Depression. And macaroni and cheese is one of those mm. like classic American meals. Um, and a lot of people use Velveeta for macaroni and cheese. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, if you get a, ma- a box of macaroni, uh, I guess I, either way, it's, it's, it's like this kind of rubbery looking like block of cheese. It's, mm. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really look like the right color that cheese would look like. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's gross looking, but it's, it tastes amazing. Right. <laughs> um, uh, because it's just got all kinds of MSG and, and when it's melted, it's got great texture and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So, 
Um, but Velveeta is is essentially like the poor man's, you know, cheese, right? Um, and a, a lot of a lot of Americans will eat Velveeta recipes because their grandmother or their great grandmother had Velveeta in their recipe because again it was like this kind of Great Depression era food. So so that is that is Velveeta. And what we're about to see is the exact opposite of of really who Velveeta is in uh, an ad campaign released by uh, Johannes or Johannes Leonardo, uh-huh. um, where they try to completely change um, the uh, uh and some of this might be tongue in cheek. It's actually really hard to know because there's yeah. no when I when I look, I can't really tell. But I think some of it's also very serious. So um, here we go. OK, Velveeta. All right. <laughs> so here's the ad campaign. It's cool. So as Americans, <laughs> as, as American, I don't know if, if um, you guys in Belgium view Italians as, as a sophisticated and uh, classy, but we as Americans do. So uh, clearly that's what they're going for. <laughs> I, okay. I, I must say, I, I, I kind of like the, the ad. I'm, I don't have the, yeah. maybe the cultural reference. So I, I, it, did, it did feel <laughs> like almost a, a bit ironic to me how you framed it, but uh yeah, it's it's an interesting ad for sure. It got me got me hooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, also, it's important to note when this ad campaign was launched, it came off of the heels of COVID, where Velveeta um, sales skyrocketed, mm. um, which to me just means people were looking for comfort, and so they were trying their grandma's, you know, dish, yeah. or they were broke and they needed cheap cheese, right? Um, so, <laughs> so they thought. All right, let's do it. They actually even did a rebrand as well, which we won't really talk about. It's it's pretty good. It actually takes you know most of the distinctive appearance of Velveeta and just fresh refreshes it, um, and and doesn't do too you know anything too crazy. So it's actually a pretty good rebrand. But um, okay, so here's their uh, press release from Johannes uh, Leonardo. Uh, How do you hit reset on a hundred three year old product? You hone in on indisputable, decades spanning truth. Velveeta lovers don't give a fork. <laughs> I translate this as Velveeta buyers don't care about their health when they buy fake cheese. <laughs> they don't think about the the they don't think about ways to earn pleasure. They know they deserve to bask in it each and every day. No rules, no judgment, just a good time all day, every day. They don't seek out a mild meal or a snack. In other words, MSG is flavorful and comfort foods are filling. They go all in. <laughs> With that in mind, we didn't uncover an idea. 
but a very simple and big truth. Velveeta is so much more than just a food. It's an ethos. <laughs> it's a flag that proudly emboldens people to live their way with one simple rule to guide them. Follow your pleasure above everything else. So we made a campaign about pleasure opportunists. Again, people who don't give a shit about their health. The kinds of people who know there is no difference between a Monday morning and a Friday afternoon because they're all just opportunists or opportunities to enjoy the day. The result is a campaign that celebrates those who enjoy themselves exactly how they want. Rules be damned. It's a lifestyle that, like the product inspiring it, is outrageously decadent and oh so attainable. It's more than a food. It's a way of life. That's La Dolce Velveeta. In other words, our client wanted to become a lifestyle brand, and we didn't have the heart to tell them that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. So judging from this commercial, here is Velveeta's ideal customer. So it's, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's diverse. It's, it's trendy. It's, it's modern. It's fashionable. Um, it's young. They're all it's young. Hipst hipster Velveeta. It's, it's hipster Velveeta. Velveeta's actual customer. Your mom. <laughs> <laughs> this guy at Walmart. Uh, your grandma. <laughs> Though the, anybody who thinks that this shirt is funny <laughs> and would wear it publicly. Uh, and this guy who's, who's literally only eaten mac and cheese for the last 17 years is the whole Vice News special about him. Um, uh, Honey Boo Boo, if you, if you know this reference, uh, she was a beauty queen and had her own reality TV show. That was my first <laughs> and last salad. <laughs> and me. I love this stuff. It's so good. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts, Steph? I mean, I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I kind of like, I, I like the, the ad and it's pure, like in how it was made. There was yeah. something very like attention grabbing about the music and i kind of like the juxtaposition of a very like you know what you 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 say like it's a very like it's a almost like a dirty cheap bass product and they kind of like yeah. try to elevate it in a funny way but then yeah. like the explanation i mean parts of it were kind of like i i i think work well in the sense of again like creating this super like this manifesto almost where i can imagine people in the company feel like yeah Valfrida, Valfrida. <laughs> but but again like parts of it is like okay okay let's take why what like it could also be fun to take a more humble approach on this why yeah. not try it but yeah <laughs> it's it, it's yeah it's such a symptom i think of like where where I, and this is true for branding, but also for advertising, where the pitch becomes almost like this, this thing of its own, where where like you, the story that that the, that is the pitch needs to be so well crafted that it yeah it becomes an art on yeah. its own. They're they're clearly going for like a PR um, strategy here, right? So they yeah. not only have they done this this kind of advertising this ad campaign, but they've actually. Um, uh, they were planning to I don't know if they actually did, but they were uh, they bought out they bought ads out of fashion magazines and uh, positioned Velveeta as like this. It would be like maybe like a champagne bottle, but Velveeta would be inside of it. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're like trying to um, essentially to me, it seems like they're obviously just trying to get a bunch of PR around. Voila. Velveeta, really. I, I, yeah. Which, I think it's, from that it's, perspective, it, it probably yeah. works. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely like if you compare it to well, I mean, we can't. Co it's hard to compare it to the the Lipicon story as that was a rebrand and probably not their fault that that it went busts the whole company. Yeah. But but it is definitely something where I think they're more aware of their actual reputation and they try to like do a play on it and make it like consciously a little bit over. So I think yeah, there's something absolutely. to be said about it, especially if you want to get some more uh, PR around it. But I mean, long term, it's definitely, as you said, like it's <laughs> it's not very uh, representative of what their brand actually is. Yeah, yeah. If they were actually trying to appeal to a new demographic of customers um, in, you know, the, the youths, I guess, of our of our day, I don't think it's really that effective. I don't think anyone's gonna like be like, oh, I'm gonna have Velveeta today because I. Like I saw myself in their ad for the first time, and I always equated it with my grandma, and and now I'm going to equate it. You know, all right, whatever. Because no customer would ever even think that consciously, but even subconsciously, I don't think that's going to really be a, a, a great technique. Um, essentially, it just seems like a PR campaign to get the Velveeta name out there. And from that from that perspective, it probably did work or will work. Um, but from an actual brand perspective, I, I don't think it's going to have much uh, fruit. Yeah. At the same time, they're going to come out with a, here's the thing, they're going to come out with a case study talking about how sales lifted and everything changed for the brand. But in reality, they haven't advertised like ever in the United States on TV. And now they're going to start advertising. Hmm. And so they're going to just use going from nothing to yeah, probably exactly. a full-fledged ad campaign. And they're going to say, look, it's because we did it this way. In reality, it's because you did it at all. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. I find that happening a lot where a lot of companies are like, when we differentiated the brand sales uplifted by this much or, or whatever, when in reality, you just weren't advertising before and then you started advertising, <laughs> uh, you're always going to have some sort of an impact on that. Okay. Voilà. All right, let's move on. So KFC. So KFC has done uh, a couple of things uh, recently. One, they hired a new chief marketing officer, Nick Chavez. And um, Nick Chavez came in and uh, at least you know, on the surface appears to, to blow up uh, everything at KFC. He's doing something uh -huh. new and different and, and exciting and innovative. Um, As a new and... CMO should do, right? I mean. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just come into a company as a new CMO and do things that have been working in the past. You have to do something to mix it up, of course. Um, so, so they did two things, right? So this is Nick Chavez. <laughs> he was hired in 2021. Um, okay, so the first thing that they did was they changed their tagline. Steph, do you know this tagline in, in yes. Belgium? Is this familiar to you? Okay, yes. so this tagline is familiar to you as well. That's that's interesting. Okay, all right. So it is it is one of probably the most recognizable taglines that I can think of right now. Okay, yeah. They came in and they changed everything, Steph. They no. blew up this tagline, and now I can't drum roll, please. Drum roll, please, Steph. <laughs> drum roll. Oh, wait. I, maybe I have some. Come on, Let's do a drum. There you go. That finger looking good is their new tagline. <laughs> wow. That was nice. I like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, did, you like, I'm a... did you like our little duck here? Did you like what I did there? <laughs> it's, it's, it's becoming a, a, a real distinctive asset. So really I applaud is. you it's for it. It's becoming adaptable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so this is their, their epic tagline, their new tagline. And this is the chief marketing officer, Nick Chavez, talking about this new tagline. It's finger licking good is us describing ourselves. That's finger licking good 
is the customer describing oh, the brand. I see what he did. You there. see what they oh, did there? It's oh genius, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. That pivot of being, of course, they pivoted, obviously. Oh, yeah. That pivot of being a brand that serves them and not the other way around is a key in brand marketing and the key to this campaign. Translation I promise I'm doing something different as CMO. <laughs> This is, this is how I'm reading wow, this. But this is this is like some real meta shit. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. It's it's oh, yeah. you. It's you who's saying it. It's not the customer. It's not the customer that says that's fake. It's you. It's coming from you. Exactly. What the? Exactly. <laughs> that's crazy. That's that that's that's mind-boggling. It's pretty epic. Okay, so uh, the other thing, the other big change that they made. Um, so, are you familiar with? Um, the ad campaign where a different actor played Colonel Sanders, their distinctive brand asset um, in like almost every ad. Are you familiar with this? I don't think so. No. Okay. I don't know if I included it here or not. I don't think uh, maybe I did. Yeah. I think I do later anyway. So they, uh, the, whoever was in charge of KSC and their marketing campaign before was actually a, a really intelligent person, at least from a distinctive brand asset standpoint, because he, he used the iconic, Colonel Sanders distinctive brand asset, but by replacing different actors playing him, but still maintaining the general look yeah. of Colonel Sanders, they were able to do something really creative while also being really consistent with their distinctive brand asset, which I think is just incredible. I'm a big fan of, of when you can take a distinctive brand asset that's iconic, that's, that's recognizable, um, and then you can do something really new and different while keeping it the same, yeah. essentially. Um, I thought it was genius. I, I just wanted we'll, to show we'll that video later. I just wanted to show. I don't know if you see the screen, by the way, Austin. But this one was also something they did, which which was actually <laughs> really interesting. They did like a three D version of a sexy looking oh, younger <laughs> Colonel Sanders, and he had like an Instagram <laughs> profile and stuff, and he did like <laughs> posing. I think I thought it was such a great way to innovate with a with I mean a very old. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, no, just wanted to show yeah. that. Go ahead. No, I, go ahead. I love I love what they've been doing with Colonel Sanders, and this new CMO has come in, and he's decided we gotta hide him. He no can't way. be as present anymore. And uh, in the in the kind of underlying text in, in what the CMO is saying in this interview he did with AdAge, which is where this this text comes from, uh, essentially, he seems to be saying uh, a white Southerner could appear racist in today's culture. And so we can't just show him everywhere anymore. <laughs> and instead of like leveraging him and making him say like, yep. hey, guys this is what we stand yeah. for, which would be a lot more powerful yeah. actually, but yeah. 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 Yep. So they've decided to, uh, well, let's just, let's just let him talk about it. Okay. All right. So I'm not showing their duck. So, uh, their distinctive brand asset, just like our <laughs> little duck here, uh, Colonel Sanders, we wanted to make the food the star. So in this case, the Colonel is back in the kitchen and is more associated with the finger licking good food. Uh, translation we could be canceled for showing a white southerner we kept the voice because there's so much brand attribution in other words colonel sanders is a very strong distinctive yep. brand asset in there but it's really about the people we serve and the food we serve now so essentially my translation is we don't understand that distinctive brand assets don't distract us from products they are merely mental shortcuts for the brand <laughs> um, i wow. think that's a really interesting point here. They they seem to be thinking that Colonel Sanders is somehow distracting 
from the chicken that KFC serves instead of just literally acting as a mental shortcut and a great one, by the way. Um, we, cre- we have a great opportunity to create more modern relevance and more modern engagement with modern families and young modern singles. This is the next opportunity for growth. Translation, we can't isolate woke moralists who might interpret our innocent asset as racist. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we, we don't need to watch this. We're running out of time. But if you want, you can look up this this video here. Um, actually, you can you can find our slide. We'll put it in the show mm. notes. Um, uh, but yeah, this is the different actors, including Ray Liotta, which is hilarious, playing Colonel Sanders. Um, and then dinner's ready when you are. <laughs> and then we have uh, this is the new campaign. Um, which Nick Chavez was behind that now has um, changed the tagline and has uh, put Colonel Sanders back in the kitchen while still using it. My goodness, look at you. (laughs) Do a little turn for me. Let's just trim a bit here and... You saucy little minx. KFC's chicken sandwich. Always served hot and crispy. That's finger licking good. (laughs) Oh my God. There it is. Why? Right. I mean, it, it, on its own, it doesn't look like the worst ad in the world. It's just realizing that they have <laughs> yeah. all that potential laying around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if this was a new, if this was a brand new campaign for um, using a brand new distinctive brand asset, then this would actually be pretty good. It's a great distinctive voice as a spokesperson. You know, it's got an interesting, it does have a rem- memorable tagline. Yep. But then knowing that they have abandoned a lot of what, what they already had that was really great in favor of this, you know, just really takes a lot of the, the power out of it. Wow. If we would ever organize like the bullshit awards or the BS show <laughs> awards, I, this is like the, the, the adding the dats to the tagline is, I mean, it's, it's right up there. I, I hadn't seen that. It's That's genius. blew me away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell, Nick Chavez doesn't seem to be nearly as good of a chief marketing officer as whoever was there before. So <laughs> that's what I've taken away from this. I think we should get him on the show, Nick. Sh- we share, should totally share, share the vision. <laughs> wow, that's all I got uh, for you, Steph. I mean, uh, as always, I'm impressed by your thoroughness and the, the stories you share. So um, I'm now stressed for the next episode because now I have to come out again. But uh, it was uh, super fun. <laughs> Thanks again. I think I just had more time than you, Steph. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and to end oh, up there it is show the duck people bye-bye <laughs> we should have a voice in there saying show the duck in a very like southern always USA show way. and and listen to the duck <laughs> listen to the duck. or however you whatever play the duck i don't know <laughs> duck soon mate bye-bye all right see ya uh finishing